hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Well, good evening. It is great to be here with you tonight. Thank you for joining in from your living room or uh, from your workplace or wherever else you might be tuning in to our service this evening. It's great to have you here with us. So I am really excited because we are continuing the series that we've been going through called The Presence of God. And what we've been doing in this series is we have been exploring the spiritual gifts that God gives to his people. And the aim of our series is to invite you into greater experience of the spiritual gifts, to equip you to understand them, and to empower you to move in them. Now, so far, we have talked about the prophetic gifts, and Georgia spoke a couple of weeks ago and gave us some really great tips on how to do those well in a community sort of context. And uh, last week, John gave an awesome talk about the serving gifts and gave some really great perspective on uh, how to identify which of those that we might have and also what they look like in action. But tonight, I want to cover three of the spiritual gifts, and the three gifts that we are going to cover is the gift of faith, the gift of healing, and the gift of miracles. And those are exciting to talk about. But before we jump in, let's take a moment to pray, and let's ask God to come and speak to us and meet us during this time. So Lord, we ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that you would enlighten our eyes to see what we could not see before, and that you would help us to understand your heart and your desire for these spiritual gifts. Lord, I thank you that they are tools that you give to us uh, to uh, change the world around us and to bring your love and your kindness uh, to those people. And so, Lord, I pray that we would uh, grow in our understanding and, uh, Lord, that as we approach this topic, that you would uh, just remove anything that hinders us, any weight, any heavy thing that keeps us from being able to uh, be all that you have called us to be. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, when it comes to spiritual gifts, sometimes the ordinary and the extraordinary are right next to each other. You know, I remember this one time when I was working at my first ever job. I was at a Kmart back in northern Michigan. And I remember I had this workmate who had come in and she was dropping off some paperwork to the office because she had dislocated her knee. And uh, so she was dropping off the paperwork because she was going to need to be out of work for a few weeks. And and so, um, so she dropped that off to the office and then she was coming back out. And uh, I was working that day and I happened to bump into her in one of the aisles. I said, oh man, what's happened to your, to your leg? Because she was on crutches. And she said, oh, I've had a bit of an accident, dislocated my knee. Uh, it's mostly popped back in, but the doctors say it's going to take a few weeks for it to heal. And so I said, oh, are you in pain right now? And she said, yeah, it's, it, it does hurt. Uh, and so I said, well, uh, I said, I'm a Christian. Uh, and I believe that sometimes God heals people when we pray for them. So would you mind if I put a hand on your knee and prayed, prayed for you to be healed. And um, she said, yeah, uh, sure, why not? Uh, and so I did. So I prayed for her, prayed for healing. And I'll never forget, as I was praying, I'd put my hand on her knee 
and I suddenly felt her knee shift underneath my fingertips. And it so freaked me out that I pulled my hand back and she suddenly went, what was that? And I said, I don't know. And so she started crying and she said, oh my gosh, I said, all the pain's gone in my knee. And so she was crying, I was crying, and it was just this really amazing miracle. And I remember just feeling so struck at the time by how bizarre it was that in the middle of an afternoon at a Kmart in a small, unremarkable town in northern Michigan, that this amazing miracle had just happened in front of my eyes. And it happened while other shoppers were in the aisles nearby trying on clothes and buying new light bulbs and trying to figure out whether or not they should get the big bag or the little bag of the barbecue flavored potato chips. But see, that is the nature of all miracles. All miracles are an invasion of the extraordinary upon that which is ordinary. So when a seemingly ordinary man called Jesus from Nazareth stood before a man who had been lame for 38 years and said to him, pick up your mat and walk, and the man suddenly got up and walked, it caused the crowds to marvel and to wonder. Why? Well, because men who have been crippled for a lifetime don't just get up and walk. It was extraordinary. What seemed impossible was suddenly possible. And I think they also marveled and they wondered because as humans, it's really natural for us to define ourselves by our limitations, by what we believe is possible. We say things like, that will never work, and that will never happen. And we say things like, I'm not talented enough, not rich enough, not pretty enough, not smart enough, not bold enough, not faith-filled enough, and not brave enough. And we have a really hard time thinking outside of the limitations that we have and what our own strength can accomplish. And I think that's a really normal feeling for us to feel. But I believe part of what Jesus purchased for us on the cross was the ability to no longer define ourselves by our own limitations, but to define ourselves by God's limitations. And the cool thing about that is that he has none. For the one who can set the fires of a million stars burning and cause the legs of a crippled man to stand up straight with nothing more than a few words uttered, well, nothing is impossible. So tonight we're going to be exploring the spiritual gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. And the reason that I've put these gifts together is that when it comes to using these gifts, they actually have a lot of principles in common with each other. And these gifts, like the other gifts that we've talked about so far in this series, are tools of love that can bring life-changing moments to the people around us. Their primary purpose is not to entertain us or to uh, help our self-esteem to grow. Their purpose is to help bring transformation to the lives of the people around us and to reveal to them the God who loves them far more deeply than they could possibly know. And so tonight, we are going to spend some time talking about each of these three gifts, and it is my hope that in doing so, that you will see that if we want to grow as a community in the gifts of faith, healing, and miracles, that we must grow in our trust of God's ability to make the impossible possible. So, let's start by 
looking at the spiritual gift of faith. The gift of faith, along with the gift of healing and the gift of miracles, is mentioned among the list of the spiritual gifts that the Apostle Paul gives in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which I've included in your sermon notes. But if you look at verse 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then it starts listing the different gifts. If you jump down to verse 9, it lists, To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the working of miracles. So if the gift of faith is listed alongside gifts like prophecy or tongues and miracles, then what is the gift of faith? Well, the gift of faith seems to be something different than the saving faith that people experience when they put their trust in Jesus. And while the gift of faith isn't explicitly defined in this passage, its presence among the other power and action gifts seems to indicate or suggest that it is a action and power gift itself. You could argue that Peter was moving in the gift of faith when he stepped out of the boat and joined Jesus on the surface of the water. Perhaps it was the gift of faith that gave the Apostle Paul the assurance that God would move powerfully, that allowed him to endure terrible sufferings in bringing the good news of Jesus to the continent of Europe. Or perhaps it was the gift of faith that motivated the late great evangelist Reinhard Bonnke to declare with confidence that all of Africa will be saved and to go on to lead gospel campaigns that have resulted in an estimated 80 million people across the African continent making a decision to follow Jesus. I really like Sam Storm's definition of the gift of faith. He says, The gift of faith is that mysterious surge of confidence which arises within a person in a particular situation of need or challenge, and gives an extraordinary certainty and assurance that God is about to act through a word or an action. Said another way, the gift of faith gives the supernatural ability to confidently believe that God can make the impossible possible. And I believe the gift of faith works in conjunction with the other spiritual gifts, as it can give us the confidence that we need to step out in things like praying for the sick, or sharing a prophetic word, or feeding and clothing the poor of our community. So it's a really important gift. And I believe there are two traps that we can fall into that actually actively work against the gift of faith within our lives. The first trap is cynicism. By the time we've reached adulthood, most of us have experienced enough disappointments that we tend to be naturally kind of cynical. And cynicism works against the gift of faith by assuming the worst in any situation and by quietly convincing us that we best not get our hopes up, even in God, because we are sure to be disappointed if we do. Cynicism is usually rooted in past hurts or disappointments, and it does need to be dealt with if we are going to move in the gift of faith or actually any of the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. And if you really identify with this one, can I just encourage you that while it might take a bit of a journey, you really can be free from cynicism, and it does not have to keep stealing the joy from your life forever. The other trap on the opposite extreme that we can fall into is delusion. 
and delusion can sometimes be confused with the gift of faith. Now, delusion is kind of a sneaky one because it does contain some measure of truth, but it's, it's this measure of truth that's taken to this really unhealthy extreme. <clears throat> there was a Christian couple that got famous on the news a few years ago for declaring that the American church was under the control of the U.S. government. And they decided that they needed to flee that government control and decided the best way to do it was to buy a boat and to try to sail with their two small children to the nation of Kiribati in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And in so doing, they nearly died. They had to be rescued by a fishing vessel and they were eventually brought back to the United States. Now, are there some laws in the U.S. that are hostile to Christians? Yeah. Definitely, sure. But it's nowhere near the extremeness of the level that this couple truly believed. And it was their extreme belief that motivated them to do what they did. And while I can't say for sure, from the outside, it looks a lot to me like they were motivated mostly by fear of the U.S. government rather than a leading from the Spirit of God. It looked like they were being led by fear rather than faith. And that's the thing. Delusion is rooted in fear. It's the fear that if I miss something, or I don't do something, or I don't fight hard enough for a certain cause, then something bad is going to happen. But here's the problem. In the mind of someone experiencing delusion, God is very small and the devil is very big. And it can feel like God probably won't do anything to help in a given situation if he even could. So people experiencing delusion can be very passionate. And from the outside, it can look like strong faith. But its core is actually fear, and the fruit of their life is usually a whole lot of anger that is directed at people who don't see the world as they do. And it's tricky, because when you're in delusion, it doesn't feel like you're in delusion. It feels real. So if those are two traps that work against the gift of faith, then what does the gift of faith look like when it is unencumbered by cynicism and delusion? The true gift of faith often looks like a quiet confidence and assurance that flows from the Spirit of God and not our own imaginations or ideas or human strength. True faith is neither cynical nor foolish. It is Peter stepping out on the water because Jesus invited him to. It is Abraham leaving his city and heading out to the wilderness with no plan because God invited him to. And it is Reinhard Bonnke giving his life to preaching the gospel across Africa because he clearly felt God leading him to. True faith follows the leader who is faithful. In short, cynicism says, I believe it's true when I see it. Delusion says, it's true because I believe it. But faith says, I believe it's true because God said it. So before we move on, here are some quick tips for moving in the gift of faith. Tip number one, do what makes sense unless God clearly says otherwise. So let me give you a bit of an embarrassing example from my own life from the other day. So we are starting to do some sleep training for our son, Emmanuel, 
And Sarah and I were trying to work out the best approach on how to do that. And there's a lot of opinions uh, from the Facebook mom community uh, about the best way to do that. Uh, and so we couldn't work it out. So we were deciding to just ask God to give us some wisdom on which approach would be best for our son. And when we were praying, I had a picture flash through my mind, kind of random, uh, but it was of us putting a drop of honey on Emmanuel's dummy. And so I shared this picture with Sarah. And she proceeded to tell me that from a medical perspective, you're not supposed to give babies honey until they're a year old because it can give them a pretty serious bacterial infection. So I said, ah, okay. So in this situation, delusion would say, well, that's a test of our faith. Let's give the boy some honey. But I didn't hear God very clearly. Uh, It was just a faint flash of a picture. And so I said, well, I guess I did not hear God on that one, since I don't think God would be keen to poison our son. And so, we didn't give Emmanuel any honey. Now, had the angel Gabriel come down in a chariot of fire, and had the smoke of the incense filled our living room, and he then told us in a thundering voice to give Emmanuel some honey, well, then we might have considered it. So, all that to say, do what makes sense unless God clearly says otherwise. Tip number two, be willing to step out with humility when you do feel God leading you to. So, God does invite his people to be courageous and to follow him where he leads. And that will sometimes involve stepping beyond what we feel comfortable with. So, when you feel a prompting to pray for a sick person, or to buy that person's groceries, or you hear God clearly speak to you with many confirmations about moving to a new city or to a new country, well, then I'd encourage you to follow his leading and to trust him. And that's because it's only by stepping out in trust that we will see God do amazing things. And if we want to grow in the gift of faith, then we must grow in our trust of God's ability to make the impossible possible. So, that's the gift of faith. Let's talk now about the gift of healing. And as we do, I want to explain what the gift of healing is, and then I want to give you some tips on how you can grow in the gift of healing yourself. So, the New Testament is chock-a-full of stories of people getting healed by Jesus himself or by his followers who were empowered by his Spirit. So, some examples of that were Jesus healing blind Bartimaeus and restoring his sight in Mark chapter 10. Uh, Another one was the 72 disciples being sent out to heal sicknesses and cast out demons without Jesus being physically present. That was in Luke chapter 10. Or the Apostle Paul praying for the father of Publius and the rest of the sick on the island of Malta. And it says that they all were cured in Acts chapter 28. And Jesus himself seemed to indicate that it would be normal to see these sorts of healing miracles happening around the lives of his followers. In Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 17, Jesus said, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. So what is the gift of healing? 
The gift of healing is the supernatural ability to pray for the sick or those who are physically unwell and to see them recover. The purpose of the gift of healing, like the other gifts, is not for our entertainment, but to testify of the kindness and the love of God and to transform lives. Now, there are some people who believe that the gift of healing is not for today and uh, that it was only for the early apostles to use. And while there's a lot of smart people who believe that, I personally see no such distinction in Scripture. And I also have seen and heard of numerous examples in my own life of people being healed in ways that seemed pretty supernatural. My wife, Sarah, used to have celiac disease. Uh, So that was where she was not able to eat any gluten without it making her feel pretty miserable afterwards. And uh, from a medical perspective, celiac disease is actually something that's not considered curable. You can only manage it. Uh, But Sarah got some prayer for healing at a conference we attended, and she was immediately and completely healed. And she's been eating gluten without problems for the last nine years. Pretty cool. Another time, I remember praying together around a dinner table along with some other people for an older lady who had lost most of her hearing. And uh, after a couple of moments of praying, she took out her hearing aids and she realized that she could hear without them. Uh, So that was pretty amazing as well. We actually celebrated by having some chips and some guacamole. And uh, towards the start of this year, I also heard this amazing story from my hometown of Michigan concerning one of my older sister's friends. Uh, So this friend's name was Amanda, and she was giving birth to her fourth child, and uh, her and her husband, Nick, had decided to do a home birth. And the birth and the delivery had gone smoothly, and they named their beautiful little girl, Emily Joy. And uh, uh, unfortunately, after the birth, Amanda began to lose a lot of blood, and the midwife was trying to get it under control, but just couldn't seem to. And so they called an ambulance and they rushed Amanda to the hospital uh, so that she could get some blood. And while Amanda was at the hospital, she lost consciousness and went into cardiac arrest. And they actually performed CPR for 40 minutes, uh, trying to get her heart going again. And um, amazingly, after 40 minutes, uh, they actually were able to get a a steady heartbeat going. Uh, But unfortunately... Even with that, Amanda did not regain consciousness, and uh, they did do a brain scan, and it actually revealed that there was no electrical activity happening inside of her brain. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry, still trying to shake a little bit of a cough myself. Uh, So they do the scan. She's got no electrical activity in her brain, and uh, many of her internal organs also seem to be shutting down. And so Amanda's mother, Juanita, describes how that night she felt the Holy Spirit speak to her. She said it was like the clearest she's ever heard. And she told, and the Holy Spirit told her to pray, believing that Amanda would be healed. And Juanita describes being filled with a sense of confidence and faith that Amanda would be healed. And so Amanda's family, the members of her church, and the community prayed fervently that night for her to be healed. And uh, during that night, Juanita was actually reminded of the psalm that talked about how sorrow may last for the night, but that joy comes in the morning, uh, which is also really beautiful because Emily Joy's middle name was Joy. And uh, the next morning, Juanita was with Amanda, who was still unconscious at this point. 
and Amanda's husband, Nick, comes into the room. And Juanita said out loud, Amanda, Nick is here. And unbelievably, in that exact moment, Amanda turned her head and opened her eyes. And after having CPR for 40 minutes, and after having no electrical activity in her brain, and all of her major organs shutting down, Amanda woke up. The doctors were stunned, uh, but her family and her friends, of course, were overjoyed. And in the time since, Amanda has actually made a full recovery and doesn't really have any lingering effects from this really crazy experience. And the story of her miracle has been a testimony to people all over my hometown about the amazing work that God can do and that God can bring even the dead back to life. So if you want to hear the full story, I've attached a link to a video of Juanita and Amanda's sister sharing about this experience at the bottom of your sermon notes, uh, and it's worth a watch. It's a pretty cool story. <clears throat> so the gift of healing is amazing when you see it in action, and it can leave an incredible impact on the people who witness it. Now, the question that always comes up is, why do some people who get prayed for not get healed? And I have prayed for a lot of sick and unwell people. And if I'm honest, I would say the majority of the times that I have prayed, uh, nothing has seemed to happen. Uh, or it didn't end up going how I would hope that it would have gone. There was one guy I prayed for uh, years ago whose back pain was uh, miraculously healed. And uh, then he died six months later of cancer. I prayed for friends and family members with long-term illnesses and wondered why they are still unwell after years of getting prayer. And even the people that Jesus healed while he walked the earth are presumably uh, no longer alive today. So they might have been healed even by God himself, but they did still eventually die. So there's a bit of a bit of a mystery there. Uh, and there are some theologians and leaders in the body of Christ who are way smarter than me who have debated this topic and come up with some pretty good thoughts. But at this stage, the answer to the question of why people don't always get healed that I have settled on is this. I don't know. I don't know why. But what I do know is that sometimes they do get healed. And that I probably have seen way more people healed by stepping out and praying for them than I would have by staying put until I had the answer to that question figured out. So before we move on, let me give you a few quick tips for moving in the gift of healing. Tip number one. Uh, like the other spiritual gifts, the gift of healing is a muscle that must be exercised. The more you practice it, the more comfortable it will feel, and the more results you will tend to see as you grow in trusting God with that gift. <clears throat> Tip number two, remember that you cannot heal people, but the Holy Spirit within you can. So whether someone gets healed or not when you pray for them is actually not in your control. Uh, all you are doing is putting up the sails and praying for wind. Uh, so if someone doesn't get healed, don't take it personally. Uh, and don't take it as a reflection of your faith, because you actually don't need very much faith to see healings happen. Only about a mustard seed's worth, actually. 
So if you don't see something happen immediately, no worries. You can't make anything happen anyway. Uh, so I, <clears throat> I say that because I think it takes the pressure off of us because our job is to do the praying and God's job is to do the healing. We do our part. He does his part. Tip number three. I personally pray pretty short prayers when I pray for healing for people. And the reason that I do this is so that I don't find myself kind of subconsciously trying to internally work for the healing uh, with a really long prayer. And I know that sounds silly, and there's nothing wrong with a 10-minute prayer. Uh, but that said, if a healing is going to happen, it can happen in seconds, and it doesn't necessarily require a 10-minute prayer. Tip number four, ask the person that you're praying for if they feel anything happening. Uh, ask them if they feel any heat or tingles or any pain going away. Uh, and if possible, ask them to test it out by bending a knee or moving in a way that will allow them to see if there is still some, pa uh, some pain present. And if they do still have some pain, well, then pray a second time or a third time. Because sometimes people who don't get healed on the first prayer do get healed on the second or the third prayer. And sometimes I've seen where you'll pray for the first time and they get 50% better. And then you pray another time and they get another 30% better. And you pray the third time. Okay, now it's fully healed. Uh, so don't, don't just necessarily quit at the first prayer. Tip number five, show care and empathy for the person that you are praying for. Uh, make sure that you ask permission before laying hands on someone. Uh, and when you do, make sure that you're not touching them in a way that is going to hurt them, number one, uh, or cause them emotional discomfort. So shoulders are really safe. Uh, so I like shoulders or elbows are also really safe. Great places to lay hands on people. Uh, be a good listener and encourage them, even if they don't see immediate healing, and let them know that you're continuing to stand with them for healing. And for the love of Peter, James, and John, never blame someone for their sickness or tell them that they did not get healed because they didn't have enough faith. That's baloney, it's bad form, and you will emotionally scar them. So don't do that. So <laughs> those are some quick tips for moving in the gift of healing. Now I recognize that the idea of praying for the sick might excite you or it might freak you out just a little bit. Uh, but whatever that is for you, my encouragement to you is that you don't have to have it all figured out today. You can go a long way if you're willing to start small, take some first steps, and I think as you do, you'll just, you know, you'll discover that, that you will grow in your trust in God along the way. Uh, and that's pretty cool because I believe that if we want to grow in the gift of healing, then we must grow in our trust of God's ability to make the impossible possible. So the last gift that we're talking about tonight is the gift of miracles. So this gift has a lot of really similar principles to the gift of faith and the gift of healing. Uh, but rather than it being about healing sick people, it's more about the creative miracles that God sometimes does that, that don't really fit into any other category. Uh, it's things like Jesus turning the water into wine, or multiplying the fish and the loaves and feeding 5,000 people, or commanding the storm to calm. It's things like Philip being transported thousands of kilometers in an instant, or the Apostle Paul being bit by a poisonous snake and being unaffected. 
The gift of miracles is the ability to see the things that are ordinarily impossible overridden by the Spirit's extraordinary ability to make them possible. One time, when I was a broke student, I really needed 50 bucks. Uh, And that was a lot of money to me back then. (laughs) So I'd been praying for God to send me $50. And I remember I was walking home from school and suddenly this car pulled up next to me. And I was pretty sure that I was about to get mugged or kidnapped or something like that. Uh, But the, uh, the window rolled down and it was actually a guy from school that I knew. And he said, hey man, this is really random, but I was just driving by and I felt like God told me to pull over and to give you $50. And so he handed me a $50 note, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And uh, there are there are countless amazing stories out there from across the body of Christ of people who have trusted God and seen miracles, big and small, that just simply could not be explained except for being supernatural. And I think that's what's particularly amazing about the gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. Uh, What's amazing about them is that they can allow something so extraordinary to happen amidst the ordinariness of life. And, you know, I've seen some really extraordinary miracles happen in front of me, but then I go home to my ordinary house, I wash the dishes, I take out the rubbish, and I try to work out whether it's considered unhealthy or not to eat a whole block of Whitaker's chocolate in one go. And so even Jesus himself commanded the storm clouds to unswirl and the waves to become still water simply because they interrupted his nap. So all miracles are an invasion of the extraordinary upon that which is ordinary. And perhaps... That is what makes them so extraordinary. The gifts of faith, healing, and miracles are tools of love that can help you bring extraordinary moments to the people around you. And if we want to grow as a community and as individuals in the gifts of faith, healing, and miracles, then we must grow in our trust of God's ability to make the impossible possible. So the question is, how do you grow in that trust? Well, here I believe are a few steps that you can take starting tonight. Step number one is to ask God for help. If you're going to grow in using the gifts of faith, healing, and miracles, you will not be able to do it out of your own strength. You need supernatural help. Step number two is to be willing to step out in faith where you feel God might be leading you to. Step number three is don't let disappointments along the way stop you from pursuing these gifts. You know, just like it takes a while to learn how to play basketball, learning to move and to use uh, these gifts is going to take some time and some practice. So don't despise the day of small beginnings. Step number four, set yourself to have childlike faith. You know, children believe that anything is possible. And they also have a natural confidence that when they don't know how to do something, that their dad is going to teach them how to do it. And so uh, have childlike faith. Uh, Seek to approach these gifts with that faith like a child. So there's a couple of people that I would like to pray for tonight. 
the first is uh, the people that maybe you're here tonight and this is all pretty new for you and seems a bit intimidating or scary, uh, but you're saying, I am willing to explore this a bit. I'm willing to say yes to taking the first step and giving these gifts a go because I don't want to miss out on anything that God might have for me. And the second group of people that I want to pray for is anyone who's listening in who has had any sort of sickness uh, or injury or unwellness in their body. And uh, if that's you, if you're experiencing that now, I want to pray for you for healing tonight. And so if either of those are you, you're wanting to grow in the gifts uh, or you're, you've got some kind of unwellness in your body, uh, I just want to invite you to close your eyes right now and hold out your hands just like you're receiving a gift. And uh, if you're with someone who's responding to this invitation, then go ahead and feel free to put a hand on their shoulder uh, and pray for them too. But I'm just going to take the next moment and pray for you. So Lord, I thank you for uh, the gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. I thank you that your kingdom is not just a matter of talk, uh, but of power. That it is uh, not just a message, it's a message that is demonstrated uh, by your extraordinary ability to invade the ordinary. And so Lord, I pray uh, tonight for my brothers and sisters, my friends who are watching this right now, uh, wherever they are. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would begin to rest upon them. And I pray that they would feel a sense of your closeness and your nearness. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would release grace uh, for the gifts of healing, uh, the gift of faith, and the gift of miracles. I pray, Lord, that uh, that they would have the grace to to ask boldly for these things. Not so that they can look more impressive, uh, but so that they can be more effective in loving the people around them. And so, Lord, I pray that out of our community there would be a great explosion of an anointing, a grace to step into these sorts of gifts and the other spiritual gifts in a fresh way. Lord, I pray that you would surprise us with your generosity and with your power. Uh, and Lord, that we would see these things and that we would be reassured once again uh, of just how good and kind of a God that we serve. Lord, I also pray tonight for uh, those who are tuning in, who are listening to this right now, who are sick in their body. And Lord, I speak to their body and I say, be well in Jesus' name. Pray that hurting knees would be well. Pray that hurting backs would be well, that headaches would be well. Uh, that chronic illnesses would go away in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that you would fill them right now with the warmth of your spirit, uh, with a sense of your closeness, and that you would wrap these ones in your peace and in your love tonight. Lord, we thank you again for this series and for this opportunity for us to grow uh, and to continue to look to new horizons uh, for ways that we can love you and love other people even more. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.